in between a sode, harnessing the miracle of the commons to improve the patient journey nationwide. Today, I am speaking with David Dirk. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. We have done three in between episodes so far on healthcare stakeholder collaboration. In sum, there are two major issues that patients have with our healthcare industry, and both can only be solved for if healthcare stakeholder collaboration happens. Number one, patients falling into care gaps and winding up with bad downstream consequences. That's number one. And then the second issue that can only be solved for with collaboration is patients not being able to afford their care. This show, we are moving on to talk about an actionable solution here to the care gap problem, the very ubiquitous issue of patients with some pretty serious health issues who remain either undiagnosed or not on optimal treatment or follow-up. Our team at Aventria Health has a big success story that I would love to share relative to care gaps, and how to think about solving for them at the local, regional, and national level. Spoiler alert here, what we're talking about today, which we call our groundswell solution, improved the usage of best practice clinical guidelines for patients with end-stage liver disease by 23% nationally. Also keep in mind that what is fast becoming a major factor in developing liver disease is obesity and the incidence of liver disease is growing. As Afer mentioned, we are talking about an Aventria Health Group groundswell solution, which is the idea of getting diverse stakeholders who are enthusiastic to be empowered as part of a team to help solve for gaps in care and really improve patient outcomes. It definitely takes a village, and if we can find ways where different organizations can work together to contribute and leverage strengths along shared priorities, then great things can really happen. Before we kick into the show here, let me bring up the miracle of the commons. This is cool. This was a term that was coined by Eleanor Ostrom. Ostrom, by the way, won the Nobel Prize for this work. She saw how humans have such an amazing capacity to work together through what she called design principles and come up with some really unique and inspiring solutions that benefit everybody. My name is Stacey Richter. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Today, I am speaking with David Dirk, who is my co-president over at Aventria Health Group and also our benefit corp, QC Health. And we are talking about this groundswell solution that we have worked on for the past couple of years. And frankly, as I said, I'm really proud of. Hey, Dave, welcome to Relentless Health Value. Hi, Stacey. Thanks for having me again. We've talked about this often on Relentless Health Value. Care journeys, patient care journeys become so fragmented. You know, Stacey, the healthcare system is fragmented and it's, and it's complex. And I don't know that that's going to get resolved anytime soon. But I think there still are areas that we can identify of opportunities for improvement. And that's the whole point, I think, of today's dialogue. How can we bring together these stakeholders that have a vested interest and influence on patient care and outcomes and work together to find solutions that are achievable that can impact outcomes. And it's there and it's doable. 
And if we talk about diverse stakeholders, this means obviously we've got providers in local markets, the biggest payers and providers gaining some alignment there. There's also others that surround the patient journey, such as societies. We have patient advocacy groups. We have industry. We have community organizations. We have public health entities. So if we think about it, there are many people who all have an interest in really the same thing. The trick is, and this is what we're going to get into, to turn our current kind of non-activated, maybe non-aligned situation analysis from what could be a tragedy of the commons into a miracle of the activated, or you have a great term for this, Dave. Yeah, I wish I could take credit for it. I cannot. It's the miracle of the commons. Eleanor Ostrom came up with this as she challenged the tragedy of the commons theory, which is simply put that if everyone acts in their own individual interest, natural resources will be used up and no one benefits in the end. Whereas if we work in a coordinated way, then we can sustain natural resources. I think in this case, we're applying it to the provision of healthcare as that natural resource. And she won a Nobel Prize for this. We're activating this mindset currently with some of the areas we work in. And one we'll talk about today is liver disease. It's really exciting and fulfilling because there's a lot of enthusiasm and willingness to contribute across the different stakeholders that you just listed. You know, just to point out that I do actually have a day job and that is as the co-president of Aventria Health Group and also QC Health. And this is one of the programs our companies have worked on. And I think the the liver disease example is something that we are particularly proud of. We call it a groundswell solution. It's trying to figure out how to get everybody to work together. And there was some pretty striking results. The results can include improved patient care through better use of clinical practice guidelines. We've seen examples where we've been able to improve that utilization quickly helping providers understand best practices and how and where can they apply them to get the patients on optimal therapy as soon as possible. And then downstream, you're reducing rehospitalizations, you're reducing mortality, and you're reducing costs. Just to bring this down to a patient level, because I think sometimes you hear a stat like 23% improvement in usage of best practice clinical guidelines. And that can sound and is very clinical. But if you think about this in terms of the patient here, like this is a patient who may have end-stage liver disease and not know it, which is shockingly common. So what winds up happening is this patient, they do erratic things in the grocery store, right? And then they get taken to the emergency room. Sometimes what's going to wind up happening there is someone is going to assume that it's a mental issue because their symptoms are mental. Livers remove toxins from the blood. And when the liver doesn't work properly, toxins build up in the blood. And then these toxins can travel to the brain and affect brain function. The thing is, though, sometimes it takes a while actually for these patients to be diagnosed just because the symptoms are so far removed from the liver. And I have heard more than once where a patient was readmitted to the hospital multiple times before some GI doc happened to be wandering by and suggested running a liver function panel. And then everyone was surprised that the mental problems were actually a liver problem. It seems probably very obvious when I say this right now, But yeah, 
this is happening. And the sad part in all of this delay in diagnosis is that if the liver disease, if it's severe enough and it doesn't get treated fast enough, you hear some just heart-rending patient stories here where it took so long for someone to figure out that this patient had end-stage liver disease that it became a death sentence. It was so far gone, their liver disease, that they weren't even eligible for a liver transplant. So what can you do about it? That brings us to our solution that we call Groundswell, which is that we are raising the ground on which everyone is standing to provide a higher elevation of care. And this is the miracle of the commons. We break it down into four steps. The first is to start with data. Does it exist? Do we need to generate new data so that we can identify the problem, identify the areas of opportunity, and ultimately measure our impact. So step one is that we want to leverage data, whether it's existing and or generating new data that is needed. If we're talking about data, Dave, maybe we have an idea that there is a problem in, in, in the care journey. And there's plenty of hypotheses that could be generated relative to opportunities, let's just say, to really fundamentally improve the patient care journey. So then what you're saying is, all right, let's actually look at the data and see if this is validated. Is that what you mean? It is what I mean. I also think that there are emerging new ways to also generate data and look at it, whether it's through artificial intelligence that is increasingly available and effective, whether it is surveying knowledge and awareness, whether it is looking at claims, even the issue of rejections or reversals, which happens when people are underinsured. And so they're not fulfilling their treatment because they can't afford it. All of this data is increasingly available and can be used to analyze that patient journey and understand what gaps we can go after to resolve those gaps. Just to, to clarify, when you were talking about surveying knowledge, I think what you mean there is surveying across physicians and trying to figure out how many are actually aware of what the best practice guideline is and or how many patients in the local market likely have advanced disease but are not diagnosed or maybe are diagnosed but are based on the data. You can usually figure this out, not on a best practice guideline care plan. That's exactly right. So for example, in the case of liver disease where we're working today, we did a large survey nationwide and it demonstrated across the board, specialists, primary care, et cetera, 38% were unaware of the current clinical practice guidelines for cirrhosis and chronic liver disease. And so that's a really large number and it gets worse when you take out specialists and so forth. And just in defense of clinicians across the country, there's some stat that often gets cited, just how many pages of new medical information is available every single day. So it's almost impossible for clinicians to keep up for, for sure. At the same time, if we're talking about something as just widespread, number one, and as impactful as liver disease, the fact that 38% of clinicians were sort of unaware of what the best practice care is there and considering that it is a growing issue, this is certainly data that it's important that everyone's aware of. So, you know, is the answer then to drive more knowledge and more awareness with the recognition that there's a lot of 
information that's often changing that we're asking these providers to do at a time when we already know they're deeply stressed with workload and, and all of the other things that come along with providing patient care. So what is a potential alternative? Well, what about using technology to provide curated highly targeted information that can support them at the point of care. So instead of asking them to memorize everything all the time, what if we find ways to provide the best support so that they can make their best clinical decision at the point of care? Yeah, and I'm sure that there's clinicians across the country right now who are rolling their eyes just given the fact that obviously that has to be done well. Right. Clinical alerts like this is where all the alert fatigue came from. So, so there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything and then probably a large gray area that's in the middle. But I think the point that you're making, Dave, is that if we're leveraging data and we know that there is a significant number of patients across the nation or, or a region, state, an MSA, who are having suboptimal outcomes, then working with all of the constituents within the market. I mean, this I, I think a really important point here is that this is not some kind of top down, like you will do this because... This is something diverse stakeholders working together, trying to figure out what the best solution is and then working together to figure out how to operationalize it in a way that works for everybody. We can accomplish great things. And part of that might be doing something at the point of care, just so clinicians don't have to work so hard and and figure out how to look up what the treatment guideline is once something has been diagnosed or or trying to figure out where is that calculator anyway, right? Like providing resources at the point of care in a very convenient way so that clinicians can do what they need to do and ha- don't have to go hunting and pecking across the internet while a patient is sitting there. The whole idea is going back to where we started, you want to identify where these gaps are across the full spectrum of the journey. And if you have data to start and you pull together thought leaders or stakeholders that have insight or skill or influence across different points in the care journey, it's a great opportunity for them to support the process instead of looking at it individually. They can look at it together. They can map out a plan and that's what we're doing. So we're starting with looking at the data. We're then identifying the gaps in the journey. Um, Then we're creating a strategic plan on who's doing what and when. And then we're looking at what are our goals to improve care across this journey and by when. And then we assess how well we're achieving that. And it brings us right back in a CQI version to start again and say, okay, now where do we need to improve further? So what you just ran through there, you had mentioned earlier that there's four steps in the groundswell solution. I'm super proud of increasing the usage of clinical guidelines across the nation by 23% is something that I would consider a bit of a triumph. We also just won another gold Herc Award for the technology that supports this whole groundswell. But let's get to the four steps. Number one, leveraging data. And we talked a little bit about that. But then number two is really creating a value alliance around trying to figure out how to help patients who are at risk for a certain condition. That's number two. Then number three is creating a strategic plan, as you said, with a process to achieve the goals. And then lastly is measuring the impact, trying to figure out what good looks like, measuring against that so that then we can start again. CQI is continuous quality improvement, obviously. Yeah, you summarized it beautifully. I want to reiterate that this is something that is not commonly happening on its own that it takes a thoughtful approach and determination 
to pull these stakeholders together. But most importantly, once there, they find the process very rewarding. So it benefits their organization and what the goals are of the organization. But I think it also benefits who we are as professionals emotionally, that we're doing the right thing in a new and improved way, perhaps, sometimes even using technology to achieve that. That for me is the exciting part of this, that we can have a win-win, so improve patient care and outcomes, but also improve what we are determined to do as part of our organizations or as individual professionals. Here, here, Dave. Um, I think the one thing that I would point out, some of the stuff that we're talking about in the groundswell solution, it's not necessarily going to solve for root causes here, right? Like if we're thinking about liver disease, what we're not necessarily talking about, and someone might be certainly thinking about this, there's tons of social determinants. There are any number of things that we would be thinking about doing if we were going to solve the root cause of this and do it in a rebuild kind of way. That doesn't mean, however, what we shouldn't be doing in the meantime is trying to make sure that if somebody is running around with end-stage liver disease, that they actually do, in fact, get diagnosed and put on the best treatment plan. Done in the right way, people are excited to be able to improve care and improve outcomes. And I think they're excited to work as part of a team, not just in their organization, but nationwide. And then we look back and say, look, just like you said, with the 20... 3% growth that you're proud of, you know, that everyone gets to look back and say, look at what I was part of and look at what we solved for. I love how you put that, Dave. And this might be a non sequitur, but I think it's really important to mention, kind of going back to how technology supports this whole thing and supports all of the different participants. I think that one of the things that we have realized clearly is the exact value of our technology for population health, clinical teams, and EHR analysts. What's meaningful here is that the tech sticks to its knitting, so to speak. And that is to provide a very curated, very targeted packet of information to be seen and accessed from the EHR and put in a spot for the clinicians in the EHR so that they can find it or that it just is where they need it in a moment that matters. What is the moment that matters, you probably are thinking. Well, that is what the clinical team needs to figure out. And the second that the clinical team starts to contemplate what that moment actually is for them, it's not going to be uniform across the board. Like they need to think about this for their own patient journeys and in their own clinical workflows or care flows. But when they figure out what that moment that matters is, they have just spotted the unknown unknown. And then henceforth, that moment can now be a trigger for action. And I think that is super important. So I say all this to say that the tech and the info that it holds should and does often serve as a kind of catalyst or glide path so that whomever wants to can easily fold it into their own care flow or process or EHR functionality or whatever they want to do. So the goal here, we want to empower and make it as easy as possible for smart people who believe in the mission here and want to be part of it. We want to just make it as easy as we can to fold our best practice info into their own ways of working. Our aim is really to meet people and teams like where they are instead of forcing, hey, you got to click over here and do something different than normal, whatever, like none of that. We just we want to catalyze it and make it as easy as possible for those who have decided to act to do so. That is the groundswell. It's how you create a groundswell. This is the only way, like this is how you get 23% lift in record time. So I know we're coming up to the end of our time here, but Dave, 
How does someone who is listening think about this or think about starting their own groundswell? Look at your own area of interest or expertise and identify suboptimal outcomes. And if you identify suboptimal outcomes and you think that they can be improved, you don't have to know how or why or where, merely that I think this outcome is not what it could be. That's the place to start. And then think about how do we break down the patient journey? Who is a stakeholder? How can I address those four steps we articulated here? If you'd like our help at Aventria, we're happy to get involved. We're very good at this. I think an important thing to keep in mind is that you have to understand the different goals of the different stakeholders and work within the context of what each is trying to achieve. And if you can pull that together, then you have an eager set of participants who can coordinate and have impact. And that's the whole goal. There's a quote from Ostrom, which is what we have ignored is what citizens can do. And I think that's the starting point. What can I do individually? How can I get started here and make this happen? And I think that's what's crucial is taking that first step. To add on to, to what you just said, because I think you made some important points. Anyone who listens to this show on the regular is going to understand why this is so important. The idea of really understanding what is the self-interest of all of the various parties, that could not be more crucial. And if I had to pick one of the largest failure points that I see over and over again in the marketplace when someone is trying to do something or even accomplish a good thing is that there is maybe a bit of a lack of understanding of what everybody along the patient journey, what their self-interest actually is. And then things go sometimes fantastically awry. If we can do the right things the right way, then we can serve many masters. So whether that is patient outcomes, whether it is patient experience, patient satisfaction, whether it is cost of care or quality scores or even patient volume and loyalty and all the other things that might be relevant to our organizations, sometimes, and this is not infrequent, sometimes we can serve all of those by doing care improvements for the patient across the patient journey. So they are not mutually exclusive. We just need to be thoughtful enough to identify those types of support that can serve the myriad of objectives that these different stakeholders have. So if someone is looking for more information about the Groundswell solution, where would you direct them, Dave? If you think you have an area of interest or opportunity and you would like to hear our perspective on how to approach it, feel free to reach out to us, Dave Dirk at Adventure Health. The exciting part of this is that we are tackling these issues and these needs on a national level with an approach that can affect many patients, many providers, and all the stakeholders involved. A thoughtful strategy and a technology can yield remarkable results that can save lives, that can save money. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Dave. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Stacey. Just to finish up here, if you have listened to this and you feel like you have insight or data or digital tools or resources of any kind, that might be brought to bear for either liver disease or CKD, kidney disease, 
Hit me up. I would love to hear about it. Just keep in mind that the scope of our current work does not include preventative stuff, be that preventative stuff, SDOH kinds of things or lifestyle kinds of things. There are others who are working very hard on those very important aspects of disease management, but this is not part of our current scope because if we try to accomplish everything, we will accomplish nothing. (laughs) So the scope of these endeavors is very specifically to help patients with already advanced or advancing renal or liver disease get out of whatever care gap they may be in. If you are a clinician, you work in a practice, you work in a health system, or you are with a payer, GPO, or any other entity who is concerned about patients with undiagnosed liver disease or CKD and or who are not being treated optimally, what I would say to you is that either we have a lot of free liver resources, so if you would like them, you are welcome to them, and or relative to CKD, kidney disease, we are just kicking this one off, so we are very much at the starting point. We are looking for sponsors right now, pretty much looking for everything for that one, advisors for sure. But we see a giant need and we would be very eager to help as many CKD patients as we've managed to help on the liver disease side of the equation. So if you go to the Relentless Health Value website, there is a contact us button or hit me up on LinkedIn or hit Dave Dirk up on LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you.